Hi, Wine Delusters, and today I'm speaking with Dan Ma, otherwise known as Dan the Wine Man. Welcome to the Wine Delusters podcast. My name is Janine, and I run a wine events business in Canberra, Australia. In this season, I'm talking to 12 specialists from the wine industry and the travel industry and asking the hard-hitting questions we all want to know leading up to Christmas. What to serve, what to buy, and where to go on holidays. So pour yourself a glass and let's get exploring. So Dan was born in Australia, but now shares his time between Australia and the UK. He graduated with a master's degree in onology and viticulture and has completed his Wine and Spirits Education Trust Level 3 certificate. Dan is the founder of the Tuesday Wine Co., which celebrates the unoccasion and producing a fine line of English sparkling wine coming in 2022. You may have seen him on Instagram as Dan the Wine Man. He has a super impressive website with lots of interesting articles, including the exciting English sparkling project he's working on. So please welcome Dan Ma. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dan, for right. joining me. Welcome to the Wine Delust podcast. I know that you've got a few projects happening at the moment, but be- before I dive into all the nitty gritty of those, can you tell us a bit about how you got into wine? Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much for having me, Janine. Um, so my background in wine is actually you know, relatively recent in my life. Um, so I guess a bit about me, uh, my background in sort of uh, digital marketing um, and user experience. I've always had a keen interest in wine and not just drinking it, obviously. And then with my background, I've always been fascinated and wondered exactly how and why people enjoyed wine. So a few years ago, um, I had a bit of a a break in my sort of contract work and literally decided in the last minute to do my WSET 2. So I went straight in, pretty much back to back. So I did WSET 2 sort of intensively uh, for a few days, then went straight to WSET 3. And I thought, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this because, as I say, I got to learn more about the wine and more specifically sort of how to communicate and how to understand. And, and then again, last minute, I signed a master's degree at, uh, of, in enology and viticulture at Pumpkin College, which is based just down the road here, which I yeah, graduated in uh, 2020. Uh, right in the middle of the pandemic so the uh, graduation was a bit of an anticlimax but we got there so yeah and that's and that's kind of how I, I really got into it and I think and my and my studies involved a lot uh, of not only making wine but um, it, it's sort of researching uh, the attitudes and behaviors of of how uh, people you know drink wines and attitudes towards it and my dissertation was on attitudes and behaviors towards uh, Australian Chardonnay as you know as if as you know, oh, people wow. can be quite divisive about why they or why they don't and why they do like Chardonnay. So there's some really interesting findings out of that. Short summary is that, um, yeah, Chardonnay is back again. Yes, and, I agree. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, especially now, there's so many, you know, premium, really good quality examples out there that, you know, the old oaky, overbuttery, kind of nasty Chardonnays back in the 80s and 90s are kind of a, a fading memory now. Because they had a bad rap. And when I tell people I like Chardonnay, you're, you're absolutely right that people either like yeah. it or they don't. Yeah, yeah. Now, what I, what I do love is when, when, we, when people say, you know, I don't like Chardonnay, but they'll drink a, a Chablis or a Burgundy or, or a Blanc de Blanc sparkling, for example. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a real eye-opener when, when, when you, sort of, um, you know, sort of point them in the right direction uh, to say, yeah, Chardonnay is not like that anymore. 
speaking with you, I feel like you've got a bit of an accent, but you're actually a Queensland boy. You're just, I grew up on the Gold Coast, you grew up in Brisbane, but you've been in the UK for a, on and off for a while by the sounds of it. Yeah, so uh, Brisbane born and bred, but I've been in the UK for the last 16 years now. Wow. So, uh, yes, my accent is, is quite, uh, how should I say, tamed now, but I try to dial it down when I'm, uh, dial it down or up, depending on who I speak to. <laughs> so tell us about some of the projects. I know that you do a mm -hmm. bit with sparkling wine, and I don't think mm. a lot of people know that in England, they've got a quite a good sort of wine industry happening over there, and they're becoming quite sort Indeed. of famous for their sparkling. Can you tell us a bit about that? England has been producing wines for quite a while now. Uh, probably the last 40 or 50 years and it's only recently I say probably the last 20 or so that is really really starting to take off uh, especially for sparkling and in a way and I say this with sort of uh, it's kind of bittersweet I think um, England has really benefited from global warming <laughs> in the fact that up until recently it's kind of been too cold to grow anything sort of uh, anything decent so to speak uh, up until recently, it used to be, you know, a lot of the very cold, cool climates or Germanic uh, grape varieties that, you know, to be honest, no one's really heard of, like Solaris and Muller-Turgau and, and that sort of thing. Mm. But it, it, it's more recently, it's been, uh, you know, we've been able to to grow more of the recognised varieties. So Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and it's been really kind of, it's taken off since then. And, and I, I really believe that the quality of it is, is you know, as good, if not sometimes better than a lot of champagne houses. Um, but at the same time, I think the biggest challenge is moving away from the kind of the shadow of, of our sort of Gallic neighbours to form our own identity. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. You know, we, we are at that stage where we, we're starting to produce you know, enough quantities to, to start exporting to, to other markets and also trying to find their own sort of uh, unique identity uh, of English sparkling, which is really, really a good challenge and is really exciting at the moment. Yeah, what's your project well, with the sparkling? So, which leads nicely to, in addition to a lot of the, 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 the Instagram work that I do and the communication work, we've recently started the Tuesday Wine Company. You know, the Tuesday Wine Company was started to celebrate the unoccasion. And the reason why it was the Tuesday Wine Co. is it, I used to call, you know, a wine that you don't need on a fancy occasion, you know, to enjoy, enjoy it on Tuesday, you know, because, you know, why not? You know, yep. any other day, you know, it's Tuesday, it doesn't, it doesn't need uh, an occasion. Uh, yeah, especially with, with champagne, is usually tied with, you know, big occasions, uh, big celebrations. Whereas I think, you know, the, the kind of wines that we will produce, um, you know, don't, don't need that kind of celebration. You know, you just enjoy it because it's Tuesday enjoy the now sort of thing so with that got a starting so we started a our own line of english sparkling wine fantastic and so today this is our our second our second year because it's sort of traditional methods like champagne it takes a little while to to produce so i think we're looking at probably about a two two years or so before it gets it gets released wow. um, but in the meantime we're doing a lot of sort of groundwork a lot of branding uh, branding exercise at the moment and obviously trying to get as much interest as we can in the meantime but also you know in the meantime um you know we're doing sort of uh, three lines so we're looking at sort of a classic pinot noir blend a nice rosé and kind of a, a more special sort of blanc de blanc chardonnay awesome sparkling 
So that's really exciting. So in the meantime, I'm also looking at trying to introduce uh, granite belt wines from Queensland. Some really cool stuff coming out yes. of there. Because yep. the reason I think there's a really big opportunity in the UK for, you know, small batch premium wines that are a little bit sort of left of center. And I think the granite belt sort of wines there sort of really hit the spot in that, in that respect. All righty, Dan. So we're on to the big questions. Tell me, um, what's a favorite dish and a wine that we would find on your table on Christmas Day? I have to say, I love me a good sort of roast beef with all the trimmings. And for me, for the wine, most importantly, obviously, a good sparkling <laughs> Shiraz. Oh, great. Is that yes, easy to find yes. in the UK? Easier. It's getting it's getting a lot easier now. It used to be the case of trawling through pendant uh, wine merchants, and you may be lucky. But now it's becoming a lot more mainstream, oh. uh, which is good, because I, I think the main challenge was with, with sparkling Shiraz over here is... People don't really understand what to do with it, especially around Christmas, because I think it's a good kind of winter fizz. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I think all the best sparkling Shiraz don't make it out of Australia. Um, <laughs> so, which is a bit of a shame because, you know, you guys need to stop hogging it and let us have some. <laughs> share it around. <laughs> oh, yeah, share it around. And do you have a go-to wine gift that you buy friends or family? Maybe slightly biased answer here, but yes, bubbles, of course. In fairness, it is a great gift. I've not met many people who don't like fizz. Yes. Uh, and it's always it's always good for a great occasion. Now, I think um, I might know the answer to this, but um, I'd really? like to elaborate more on what's your favourite <laughs> Aussie wine region? <laughs> well, in fairness, though, yes, the, the granite belt. I think the granite belt was particularly close to my heart personally uh, because uh, when I was little, my, my parents used to drive to uh, Armadale by a new oh, highway. Yeah, right. And, uh, there. Yeah, exactly. And every time we drove down, we, we always stopped at Stanthorpe and picked up some, you know, Craver apples and armchair port at, uh, I think it was Old Caves Road Winery. So that's, that's going, to, going, to, going a bit back now. So that's kind of what, what started my interest in, you know, all the granite belt and so on and so forth. But nowadays, I think, I think I, it's because I really, you know, really love their you know, alternate varieties. And, and so you get to really explore, you know, the different wine areas. And you kind of, you kind of actually explore the different wine countries by proxy mm-hmm. there because you've got just purely from the different varieties. Yes. So, you know, as, as you said in your podcast, there's no real hero variety. So it really gives the, the freedom uh, for winemakers to really experiment with different varieties, different styles, you know, kind of throw something in the dirt and see what comes out. And lastly, I think the, the winemakers there are just so passionate about what they do. Really, really small quantities when, in, in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, it's about sort of quality over quantity and it really allows them to express the styles and the personality so when international borders open to us Aussies and we get allowed out of the country again, where should, where should we visit, Dan? When, when it comes to visiting wine country, um, Aussies should definitely give sort of the motherland a go. Uh, in, in fairness, though, it, it may not be kind of the most, um, you know, not the first thing that people think of when, when wanting to visit wine, when, wanting to visit wine country. On one hand, you know, you've got loads of gorgeous vineyards, you know, along the sort of very sort of English rolling countryside mm. sort of thing. So there's loads to explore. And obviously they've got some really great wines, really, uh, especially sparkling, obviously. Again, small batch, really passionate, you know, about, about their wines. Um, but and on the other hand, you know, you've got really, really 
cool wine bars and pubs, you know, offering a real diverse range of wines to really suit your taste. So, I, and obviously the UK is a really good springboard to the rest of Europe. What I loved when I was there, how I could go from London and I was catching the Eurostar to France, but the first stop was outside in Kent. And so I could take the train there and then get off, pick up a car, go and see some wineries, spend the night at the beautiful castle there, the Leeds Castle, and then get mm -hmm. back on the Eurostar straight to, to Paris from there. So it's very convenient to get there out of London. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it, Dan. No, thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah. it was nice to finally meet you, Janine. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe now to get each episode as they drop. Go to windalust.com.au for everything discussed today. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and hear of all upcoming events, news and merchandise. Till next time, happy wine travels.